Well, we've been talking on signs and wonders from, from the start of the new year. This is going to be the third time that we've, we've been talking on it. Um, but you know what, this is something that I believe that God has put in my heart. Um, I've, seen, I've seen several um, other people that, that posting along these lines, um, friends, ministers, that, you know, that are, are believing God for the same thing. And that's good. Amen. That's good. I tell you, God is moving. And um, God is moving through us. And um, I, I'm excited about, you know, what we've started talking about, talking here about signs and wonders. Because I believe that we're going to see signs and wonders increase in the body of Christ. And I believe it's coming to a place where we're going to need to see it. We're going to need to see it. Um, I want to see people saved. I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to see people's lives changed. And, and you know, um, people are getting further and further and further away from God. And um, so there's so many people don't believe in God. It's amazing, even in our own country, the, teach, the teaching right from a child now that there is no such a thing as God. God's really a myth in people's minds. You know, growing up, you, people are being taught, no matter what it is, you lift up a book where it's a science book, you're being taught that there's no God. You're taught an evolution. If you, if you um, lift up a book to do with um, animals and stuff like that, it's amazing. It just goes back, right back, all of this stuff, back to your ancestors, the fish. You know, that that's, this is our ancestors. And they'll talk about these animals in the, in the evolutionary process. But really what they're doing is they're saying there's no God. And they're putting it into our kids. Now, praise God, they're not putting it into my kids. Amen. Now, they may try to tell them, but I'm putting into my kids that there is a God. Amen. And here's another thing. Um, the school is not responsible for raising your kids. The parents are. So I'm going to tell my kids that there is a God and I'm going to live it in front of them. Um, but you know what? But there's a whole generation that is coming up and has come up. And you can see the effects of it. But you know what? There's a generation out there, you know, with people that are highly educated and don't believe there's a God. How do you win a generation like that? Well, I thank God that God has a way of messing up people's thinking. And it's through letting them know that He is a God. Now, He can do that many different ways. Sometimes just hearing the gospel as it's just being preached. Now, for to get saved, you have to hear the gospel, okay? You have to hear the gospel. It's only through the incorruptible seed of God's word that you can be born again. You have to hear the gospel in order to be saved. You can't get saved through seeing signs and wonders. That can draw you to God, but you still have to hear the gospel. Amen. Um, it's like on the day of Pentecost, Peter still had to stand up and preach and tell the people about Jesus. And then they called upon the name of the Lord and got saved. So it's not just enough to see something. You still have to hear the gospel. Amen. So that's, that is, that's absolutely important. But there's, there's, an, there's a generation that's going to need to see a move of God. And last week we were sharing about signs and wonders. And we were really looking at the purpose of signs and wonders. And I, I called out um, two. Um, and I'm going to look at the third one tonight. But the, the first one I said was that signs and wonders reveal God. God's love for people. God loves people. And God loves people enough to see their lives change and see, to see people change. So God does love people. And you know, when a person's had a miraculous experience in their life, they have been touched by the love of God that has changed their life. Amen. That's one reason. And I'm not going into that at the minute because I'm going to go back to that at some stage. Um, the second reason was what we looked at last week where I was talking about that the Bible says that there are some people will not believe unless they see. 
And we looked over at Moses, how that God told, told Moses, remember, to throw down the rod and it turned into a snake. And then to, to put his hand into his, uh, into his jacket, so to speak, took it out and it was leprous, put it back in, take it out, and it was healed. And you know what? God said, you go and show this to the children of Israel, to the elders of Israel who were in slavery in Egypt. And you let them see this and then they will believe. Amen. Then they will believe. But they had to see first in order to believe. And you know, there's a lot of people who will not believe unless they see. But we were saying last week, you can't live on that kind of, of seeing and believing. You can't live there because that's not the spirit of faith. We live by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't need to see it to believe it. We just need a scripture. And that's where God wants us to live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how Jesus lived, and that's how we live. Amen? So we don't live by signs and wonders. But you know what? There's a, there's a bunch of people in the world, if they don't believe in God, there's a bunch of people need to see something that'll maybe jerk them out of, of where they're at so that they will believe. I said last week, it's like it snaps you out of where you are. It snaps you out of, of your, the world that you have been painted. To be woke up that there's more to life, that there is a supernatural God. Amen. We serve a supernatural God. Amen. Um, let me just show you this scripture as well. I'm not going to spend much time in this, but it's the same principle. Look what it says here. This is, you remember um, Solomon, God blessed him and, and you know, his fame was going out and people were hearing about him and the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon. But look what it says here. It says, and she, and she said to the king, this was before Solomon, she said to Solomon, it was a true report that I heard in my own lands of the acts, of thy acts and of thy wisdom. How be it? I believe not the words until I came and my eyes has seen it. You know what she said? I didn't believe it until I seen it myself. Okay? And the reason being is because she had to, she had to, she had to see it to believe it. The reason being is what we have been talking about is that we say the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But how does the unjust live? They live by sight. As we said last week, they're governed by their senses. We're not meant to be governed by our senses. Now we have them and we need them for life. But your eyes weren't given to believe with. Your eyes are given to see with. Okay? Your ears weren't given to believe with. They're given to hear with. Your mouth wasn't given, your tongue wasn't given to, uh, uh, to believe with. It's given to taste with. And, and so on and so forth. Your heart was given to you for you to believe. For with the heart man believes. We that's our believer is on the inside. We don't believe with our senses. We believe with our heart. That's why you can believe even though you can't see. And as a believer, you can start to walk by faith. That's what it is to walk by faith. You don't believe. You, you don't live by what you see. You don't ignore it. You don't deny it. But you just de deny it the right to have the final word because you believe what God says. Yeah. Amen. So you can see something but believe something completely different. You can see failure, but you can start rejoicing because you know you have the victory in Christ Jesus. That's a different attitude. What is that? That's a spirit of faith. To where you, you have the Word of God now governing your life. You are not controlled by what you see. You've, al you've allowed the Word of God and to start to change your heart so that you start to believe with your heart and not believe with your head. Amen. Praise God. But, do you, do you know, but I'm just showing you, there's some people that need to see first before they will believe. And God knows that. 
God loves people. Amen. Um, as well, look here in John 14. It says in verse 9, Jesus said unto him, this was to Philip, I'll not get into the whole story here, but it says, He said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and, and yet hast thou not known me? And it says, And he said, or, 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 Has thou not known me, Philip? And he, uh, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works, okay? He's talking here about the works of God, the miracles, all of the things that Jesus did. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or look at this, or else believe me for the very... Work's sake. There's some people who won't believe unless they see. And Jesus is saying, you know, Peter or, or Philip, sorry, you, 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 I'm saying to you, you know, uh, I'm talking here about the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father because Jesus was the perfect representation of his Father. And then Philip's going, hey, show me the Father. And Jesus is saying, Philip, do you not get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's saying, oh, at least believe it for the very work's sake. Can you not see that me and my father are one? Can you not see that God is moving in my life? Can you not see it? This is what he's saying. But he's saying, believe for the what? The work's sake. See, some people need to see in order to believe. John 4 as well. It says, so Jesus came again into get um, into Cana of Galilee, where he, was, he had made water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. But look at this phrase here. Then Jesus said unto him, Except or unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. See, there are some people need to see before they will believe. Now, as I said again, I'm going to reiterate it. We live by faith. <coughs> We're not to be chasing down signs and wonders. We chase Jesus. He has the signs and wonders. Amen? God's not looking us to be running, following signs. God wants us to be believing Him and for us to have signs following us. Amen? We're not meant to be following signs and wonders. We follow Jesus and then signs and wonders follow us. Amen. So we follow him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk tonight for, for an, uh, show another purpose of signs and wonders. As I said, the first one is it reveals God's love. The second one is some people will not believe unless they see. Now, I'm going to talk tonight on a, a message um, that I've called God's dinner bell. And um, you know, really, this really explains another aspect of signs and wonders. You know, just before Christmas, um, in, the, in the school with the kids, myself and Donna, we went into, we went into school, um, we were asked what we did, and um, I dressed up as Santa Claus, okay, and, and Donna dressed up as Mrs. Claus. And I tell you, we look class. <laughs> we look class, dressed up as Santa <laughs> and Mrs. Claus. But you know what? Here was one of the things that... When we went in, the, the, the head teacher in the school, she gave me the dinner bell. That bell, those kind of bells there. You know what they used to have in school? And she gave me one of those and she said, start ringing that there as you go around. And I tell you what, it was, it was, it was just great. I started ringing this bell. Just started ringing. As soon as I got out, I just started ringing it. And you could hear the excitement in the kids' 
screaming from the classrooms. Do you know why? Because uh, when, you ring, when you ring the bell, do you know what it's designed to do? It's designed to get those kids' attention. Yeah. Now, if I stood out there tonight and I had one of those bells and I just started ringing, I guarantee you people would leave the panto next door and would come out just to see. There'd be people that actually would peep out to see what is going on because it, it draws people. And that's why years ago you would have had, you know, the town, the town bell. And you would have had them in churches, still have them in churches. But you know what, they were designed to bring people together. In churches, they were designed, they would ring them to let people know it's time to gather. And so you, 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 now it lets you know what time it is. <laughs> Rings let you know what time it is. But you know what? There was a time when they would use those bells to draw people. It would be to gather a crowd. But you know what? Signs and wonders. This is a third re reason for signs and wonders that I want to bring out. Is signs and wonders get people's attention. And signs and wonders God used to draw people to Jesus. That's what he used them for. Joe, you know, I, I believe that we're going to see the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. Amen. I believe that. I believe we will see that. You know, there's been great moves of God. And sometimes people just think this is the way it's always been. Do you know what? When you look back in history, you'll see that there has been some amazing, awesome, mighty God, uh, moves of God um, in the world. In the church age, awesome moves of God. And I believe every generation has a right to a move of God. I believe every generation has a right to believe for a move of God in their generation. I'm going to, I am believing and I have been believing. And you know what I'm going to see? And I don't care how long it takes. I'm believing to see a move of God in my generation. Amen. Amen. The, 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 the Bible says that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. You have to preach it first before people start to see it. Start telling people how good Jesus is. Start telling people that Jesus is a miracle working Jesus. And that he changes people's lives. Tell people. Even if you don't see it, just keep telling it. Keep sharing it. Keep declaring it. Because signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. You have to preach it first before you see it. And sometimes you just have to be bold enough to stand up and declare it before you see it. Amen. Like in anything, anything that you're believing God for. I, I, I always say the saying, you don't, you don't have to see it to say it. But you have to say it to see it. Amen. You don't have to see it to say it. In God's kingdom, you say it first. And then you will see it. That's how God works. Amen. So um, he's watching over his word to perform it. But you have to speak the word first before there's something for God to perform in your life. You have to be declaring what God, what God says. Now, you know, um, you talk about God's, God's dinner bell. You know, you, you know I was listening to um, T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne's dead now. But I was listening to um, him sharing his, his testimony. And um, T.L. Osborne, um, as a young man, he went to India. And um, a very young minister, like very, very young, but he went to India and he, he couldn't have, he, he didn't have an impact at all. He, he didn't see people's lives change, nothing great to report whenever he would come back home. He was an American. But you know what, when he came back one of the times, he got filled with a spirit. And when he went back to India, he had, he went back in power. And signs and wonders started to follow the preaching. Of his ministry. And you know what? You, you know all you have to do is just look him up in history. The impact that that man had for Jesus. On this world. And how many places and countries. That he preached in. And 
crowds that he preached to. And it all came because that man had an experience with God that changed his life. See, here's what happened when he went to India and he would tell people about Jesus. And what he would say is, you know, the Bible says. But you know what? These people didn't believe the Bible, so he couldn't persuade them. Okay? So he'd take out his, he said he'd take out his, his, his black Bible with gold plated pages. And it would be all look nice and fancy. And he would say, the word of God says this. And they would take out their book. And they would, he says some of them had the same kind of a book. It was a black book like his. And they had gold um, plated pages on, on, on their book as well. And he couldn't convince these people because he was saying, this is what my book says. And they were saying, well, this is what my book says. And they couldn't get anywhere. But you know what? When he went back in power, people listened. And that has always been the way that God has done things. Now, I know there's many ways to win people to Jesus. Ultimately, it's going to come down to people seeing Jesus and their need for him. And whatever way that bring, whatever, whatever brings a person to that place, whether it's simply hearing the gospel in a, a church setting or working with someone who's saved, who got the opportunity over many years maybe to share the gospel with that person, or whether someone is in a difficult situation and there's a sign and a wonder happens in their life and they realize, or in their family or whatever, and they realize that God is real. And that wakes them up. Do you, do you know, I'll tell you, do you know one of, one of the things... That brought me to Jesus. Uh, you know, there are several things. You know, many times there's many ways God's dealing with you before you actually come to that point. You know what I'm talking to? Where you give your life to Jesus. But you know what? One of the, one of the things that caused me to give my life to Jesus was my brother used to go out with a girl years ago. And I mean when he was a teenager. And the girl, the girl she's Scottish, but she lives here um, not too far from here, actually. But she was in a wheelchair. <coughs> And she was told that she would never walk again. In actual fact, the doctors told her that you need to start getting into your head and start seeing yourself in this chair because this is your life. And you need to start dealing with this in your mind. You need to start seeing yourself in this chair because this is your future. And they were, they were, you know, from, from their point of view, they were just, they, they wanted to, to sort of uh, try and get her out of denial. So that she would be able to start coping with where she was and, you know, uh, be able to deal with life. But you know what? She, she was a believer in Jesus and she, she knew that Jesus could heal. But she didn't know whether Jesus would heal her. Because that's how she had been taught. And many times people are taught things and, and it, it's just where people are out at revelation. It doesn't mean to say that so, there's a lot of good people out there. They just, so sometimes people are at different levels of revelation. It doesn't mean to say they don't love Jesus. They just, they just are at different stages. Amen. How many know we're all grown? And the Bible says we all only know in part. And we see through a glass darkly. So we're thankful for whatever revelation we do have. But we keep growing and we keep following Jesus and learning from him. Amen. No, but that's where she was at at that time or what she was taught. But she went and she took out the scriptures and she started looking to see would Jesus heal her. And after seeing Jesus healing all and seeing Jesus healing this one and that one. After a while she was persuaded by the word of God that it was God's will to heal her. Amen. And what happened was she said to the, the, the doctors, on, the fr on a Friday she said to the doctors, I'm going to walk in here on Monday. And you know what, and she got up in church that Sunday and she walked to the front of the church 
and she's been walking ever since. Amen. And I would say, I don't know when that was, but I'm sure it was in the 1980s, maybe the late 1980s, around about that time. And she's been walking ever since. Amen. Praise God. The glory of God. But you know what? What I'm saying is this. That stuck with me. Because I knew that she had been um, healed and had got up out of a wheelchair and walked. And I can remember being in a park one time where we were at this park. And I can remember as, uh, I don't know what age I was at the time. I, I would have been young. Like, you know, uh, maybe... I maybe would have been something like maybe 13 or something like that. But I can remember sitting in that park and watching her run about. And it messed my head up something serious. Because I knew that it was impossible for her to be running, yet she's running. And you know what? That stuck with me. That stuck with me to let me know that there's a good God. That there is a God that loved her. And you know what? And she believed she believed it was unto her according to her faith. She believed. She said, I will walk in here on Monday. And she did. Amen. She did. Awesome. Praise God. But you know what? As a young fellow, that never left me. And that stuck with me right up until the day I, I met Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And you know what? I used to torture her. I used to wind her up. So did I did. I I was... No, as a young fellow, she said, she said to me one day, I met her in the street a couple of years ago. Well, she says, Paul, you were a torture. And I was a torture. But you know what? I thank God for what God done in her life. Because that stayed in me. Even though I was a torture and I would keep her going. But you know what? That stuck in me. And that was a seed. But you know what? I seen something that changed my life. And that is God's, one of God's ways of ministering to people. Amen. Praise God. You know what? Your life is a witness. Your life is a witness. You know what? A changed life is a witness. It may not be that, but when God's moving in your life and you, when people can see God's signature in your life, it can be that you change. You're not the person you used to be. It can be, it can be that God has prospered you in life. It can be that God has been good to you and you know you didn't get there by yourself and other people know you didn't get there by yourself and it just reveals God's goodness. When people see God's keeping hand upon your life, when people see that God has kept you, He's kept you through things. And people see the joy and the peace and the love. And they realize that is that, that's something. They just see it. They, they mightn't be able to put their finger on it. But they see that you have something that they don't have. And you know what that does? It brings glory to Jesus. And people see that this God is living. He's real. Amen. We serve a good God. We serve a living God. Amen. And he's alive in our lives. Um, but you know what, when you talk about God's dinner bell, this was a phrase that Kenneth Hagin used to use. And he would talk about that healing and signs and wonders is God's dinner bell to draw people to Jesus. Now, he, he got that from an older minister. But I'll tell you, Kenneth Hagin's famous for saying that phrase. Amen. That's where I heard it from. That, you know, um, God's dinner bell, that signs and wonders, healings, miracles, is God's dinner bell to draw people to Jesus. Now, let me look at this here for a bit this evening. Because when you see this here, you realize, you know what, this is how God operates. It's one of the ways. Now, He operates many ways. Amen. But you know what, we can be believing God to see these things. Amen. And it reveals who God is. Look, look at this here for, for a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, um, some night I'm going to get into this here. And I'm going to look, look at a lot of stuff in this story. This is a great story. But let, let me just bring out something here for a moment. 
And um, it says here, now when he had left speaking, this is Jesus after, remember he came, the crowd was pressing on him. He sits in Peter's boat. He, he, he ministers to everybody. And then he tells Peter to go out and let down his nets. Okay? And it says, and he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Notice it's nets there in the plural for a catch of fish. And Simon answered and said unto him, look at this master, we have toiled all night. And have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down uh, the net. He went from the plural nets till I let down a, a net. Well, thank God he, 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 he acted. He acted anyway. He acted. He didn't act fully, but he acted. You know what? It's like us sometimes. You know what? We'll, we'll act a bit. We'll step out a bit. We're tippy-toeing out into what God has for us. We won't go full hog. Sometimes God has to deal with our heart for a long time before we let go of some stuff. But look at this here. It's a, and, and, and notice this here, because Peter is saying, I'm trying not to get into all this because, you know, there's a lot in this story. And God showed me a lot of things out of this story. But, you know, it, say, it says here, Peter said, Master, we've toiled all night. How many know God doesn't want us to be toiling? Yeah? Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what toil was a result of the fall? There was work before the there was work before the fall, but it wasn't out of toil. Amen. After the fall, the fall there was toil. They had been out struggling, in other words, all night and working all night. And what did they catch? Nothing. Now these are experienced fishermen. Now you you think I see this is them saying, do you know what Jesus? You know what, you, you could say it this way. No, like Jesus, you came from a carpentry, carpentry background. What do you know about fishing? And now you're preaching. Now, fair enough, you can talk. And you're a great preacher. It was great listening to you. But you know what, what do you know about fishing? Master, we have been out all night. And we've been struggling all night. Us, professional fishermen. And now you're telling us to go out during the day. That's not the way this works, Jesus. How many of you know Jesus isn't interested in our philosophy? If he tells us to do something, just do it. He knows how to get the results. And he knows where the fish are. And he knows how to get the fish into your net. Amen? But as we keep going, we'll see, we'll see what this story is really all about. And it says here in, um, in verse 6, it says, And when they had done this, they went and they let down the net. They enclosed a great multitude of fish. And the nets, what? Break. I'm going to look at this here because sometimes you wonder why did, did, did he tell them to let down nets whenever, you know, the one they did let down was breaking. Yeah? You ever think about that? Yeah? I think about things like that. But let, let me just keep going. It says, And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they would come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Okay? So this, I tell you, God knows how to bless. But look at this here phrase here in verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it. <coughs> you see, he had to see it. In order for him to initially get on board and believe. Now, if I was to go through Peter, you could see that Peter's brother was Andrew. Andrew was a, a disciple of John the Baptist, and he had already had an experience with Jesus, and he was coming and telling Peter about this, but Peter just wasn't there yet. He was weighing it all up in his head. But do you notice, notice this phrase, whenever he's seen this miracle, 
What happened? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. Do you know what? That sign and wonder changed this man. You know, there are sometimes people will preach repentance and they preach repentance very hard. The Bible teaches on repentance and repentance is, is important. Repentance just means to turn around. Amen. You turn around, you were going one direction and now you go another direction. Repentance is important in life. But what brought Peter to a place of repentance was he seen this miracle that was done. And when he seen it, I'll tell you, he hit his knees. And I'll tell you something else. When Jesus said, come follow me, he left everything and he went and followed Jesus. When you have an experience with a good God, you'll give up anything for him. You'll forsake everything and follow him for the rest of your life. A lot of times people are trying to get people to change. No, you just get an encounter with Jesus, you'll change. You have an encounter with him. You let him change your life. You, I tell you, when he, when he shines into your heart, his goodness, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When he shines into your heart, it'll mess you up so, so much on the inside in a good way that you will abandon anything to go and follow him because you realize, I need what he has. He's, he's everything. I need him. Amen. Now, what, here's the thing here. But Jesus said to Peter, do you know what? You, you come and follow me. And what he said was, I'll make you a fisher of men. Actually, over here, look what it says here. Same story. This is only in Mark's account. It says, and Jesus said unto him, come after me, and I will make you become a fisher of men. What is he really talking about in this portion of Scripture? Jesus is teaching on being a fisher of men. How to catch men. Now, the fish are representing people. Okay? Let me put it this way. There's many aspects of nets, or you can apply it in many ways. But I can tell you, one of those nets is the supernatural. One of those nets is signs and wonders. And signs and wonders will cause more people to be caught than you can imagine. You know, when they went fishing, they went with a net. And you know what the net was? It wasn't to catch one fish. Now you can go fishing. The Bible talks, and there's a scripture in, in the Gospels where Jesus said to Peter, He said, go down with a, with, a, with a rod, with a hook, and you throw it into the water. And the first fish that you catch, what happened? Open it up and there'd be money in the mouth. You know that story, okay? If you want to catch one person, you go with a hook. Okay? Fish represent people. But I'm telling you, if you want to catch many people, he said, I'll teach you how to be a fisher of men. And one of those ways to fish for men is to let down your net and you take in a lot of people, not just one person. And I'll tell you, what causes many people to come to Jesus in one swoop is whenever people start seeing a move of God. And that's what draws people in in a swoop. Do you know what? There's many times we're sowing and we're sowing and we're sowing into people's lives. We're giving people the gospel. But you know what? There's coming, a, there's coming a time when we will reap what others have sown. Amen. We will reap what others have sown. This guy's a great message in that. But we will reap what others have sown. The fields are white on the harvest. And one of the ways to get people saved is letting down the net. What is that net? Well, supernatural power of God. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to endeavor to show this here just for a second this evening. 
But you, you can look at this here. In Luke 5, it talks about this story of, of Peter forsaking all, coming and following Jesus, okay? And also in Mark chapter 1, okay? Now, I'm, I'm doing it from Mark here because it shows more stories in line with what I'm talking about here, one after another. Now, in, uh, in Luke, the first one is actually here in Mark as well. But um, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point here because what's, it, what's Jesus saying? He said, you follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now, what did Jesus say before he went? He said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Ghost. And he said, the works that I do, shall you do also. So you can look at it this way. When, when the disciples walked with Jesus, Jesus was training those disciples so that they would go and do the works of Jesus whenever he would leave. That makes sense? So let's just see how Jesus said we're to catch fish. How do we catch fish? One of the ways is the supernatural. Let me say this as well. This is something that's important. You want to catch fish, don't study fish. You need a word from God. See, some people now in our generation are trying to figure out what is it that people need so that we can reach them. And it's all about the fish. You know, the first place you go is it's, it's, it's more not what people want. Let me put it this way. It's not what people want, it's what people need. And the only way you're going to find out what people need is to go to the designer of the people in the first place, and that's go to Jesus. Sometimes people are doing everything not to preach the gospel. In churches, you can have churches that are big in number, but it's, it's like a big crash. There's nobody... You know, all you have to do is just speak a few things from the Word of God. I'm not saying preach condemning, but just, just preach what the Word says. And there's a lot of people who will leave because they don't, want to, they don't want God to deal with their heart. They don't want to see what God's Word says. They're not interested. Amen? But you know what? When God starts dealing, and I'll tell you, when God deals with us, always in love. God loves us. He has a good plan for life. I'm not into condemnation. I'm not into finger-pointing preaching. But you know what? I'm going to preach the Word. And there are some places now where people won't preach. They won't preach on things. They won't preach on the gifts of the Spirit. They won't preach on the supernatural. They won't preach on signs and wonders. You know why? Because it might offend someone. They won't preach on money because it might offend someone. And everything is... Uh, let's just tippy-toe on eggshells so we don't offend anyone. You'll never grow if the Word of God does, isn't preached to you. The Word challenges you. I, mean, I tell you, my, my thinking has been challenged for the last 20-something years from sitting under the Word because I was thinking one way, but God was saying something different. You don't change people by studying fish. You change people by hearing what Jesus says and let down the nets. He knows best how to win fish. Amen. And one of the ways is the supernatural. Let me go through these here just um, quickly this evening. Look here, Mark chapter 1. Let me look here in Mark chapter 1 verse 25. Now this is a story here. I'm not going to go through these in detail, every story, but I want to get the point out. If you see the point, you'll realize what, why signs and wonders are important. Amen. Look what it says here. And Jesus um, rebuked him. This was a, a, what, what was happened here. Jesus cast out a demon in the synagogue. So demons go to church. Amen. <laughs> it says here. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And it says, and when the unclean spirit had torn him and, um, and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were amazed. That's wonder. That's signs and wonders. They were, they were amazed. 
insomuch that they questions, questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? And what new doctrine is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And look at this. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the regions round about Galilee. Do you know what impacted people? This man getting changed. A change life impacted people. And do you know what happened? Jesus' fame started to spread. There's nothing like God doing things in the midst of people. I tell you, people get talking. Amen? People get talking. Look over here. I'm going, as I say, I'm, going through, I'm just trying to show a pattern here. Look, look at this here. It says in, um, in Mark 1 and verse um, 30. This is where Simon Peter's mother-in-law gets healed. It's always amazing is, is that Simon Peter asked Jesus to come and, and heal her. There's a lot of people who would be glad the mother-in-law was dying. And wouldn't. <laughs> only joking. Only joking. But it says here, um, Mark 1 and verse 30, And Simon Peter's mother-in-law lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. And she ministered unto them, and at evening, when the sun was set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And look at this, and all the city was gathered together at the door. What impacted people? People's lives being changed, and you know what it did? It drew people to Jesus. Amen? Look over here. And again, this is all straight after Jesus saying, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. This is not about fish, Peter. I'm teaching you something. I'm teaching you how to catch people. Amen. I'm teaching. I love people. I'm not here for fishing. I'm here for people. Jesus didn't come for things. He came for people. He loves people. Amen. Loves people. So here's one of the tools that Jesus used to draw people. And yet Jesus could deal with people on a one-on-one -on -one situation. So it's not just about signs and wonders. I'm just saying that this is a tool that Jesus uses to draw people. Amen. Mark 1 verse 43. Again, here's the story here of the leper. This is the same story that came straight after um, this, this, this event of the fish being caught. This is a story that came after it in Luke chapter 5. But here in, in Mark chapter 1 is showing the same thing. Look what it says here. I'll not, I'll not go through all of this. And read all of these out. But let me, let me just say this here. The leper gets cleansed, okay? Look in verse 45. And he went out and began to publish it. And to blaze abroad the matter. So here's a man gets healed of leprosy. And what happens? He starts to spread it. He starts to tell people. Not leprosy. He starts to spread that Jesus has healed him. He starts to tell people that Jesus has healed his life. And it says here, insomuch that Jesus could no more... Um, openly enter into the city, but was, was out in a desert place, and they came to him from every quarter. How did Jesus impact his generation? Signs and wonders. Amen. Change lives. You, know, you go to many um, seminars, leadership seminars for churches now, and, and they don't teach you about stuff like this anymore. Do you, know, do you know what they teach you? They teach you how to get people in through entertaining them. How to get people in through, you know, different ways of drawing a crowd. And I'm not saying that it's all wrong. Because sometimes you can get people in, but when you get them in, then you need to give them Jesus. 
That's why you get people in in the first place. And there's sometimes people are great at getting, gathering a crowd and getting people in. But you know what? If people aren't hearing about Jesus and hearing the word and they're not changing, well then it's, it's just gathering a crowd. Okay? And you know, many times you just hear all of these methods. And many times it's just methods how to get people in. But you know what? It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily always God's method. Of getting people in. Okay, and as I say, there's a place of building a relationship with people. There is a place of doing all of those things, give people Jesus. But what I'm saying here is, you know, here's here was how Jesus done it. Amen. Here's how Jesus done it. I'm gonna believe God and use everything. I'm gonna be smart in my generation. But what I am saying is this. This is how Jesus ministered to people. And this is how he, his fame started to spread. Amen. Look, look again. Mark 4. Again, this is just, it just keeps going. Um, Jesus went about into Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And notice this, and his fame went throughout all Syria. Look down verse 25, and there came uh, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and beyond Jordan. What as a result of people's lives being changed, Jesus' fame went out. People realize this Jesus is real. Amen. Um, John 4, this was because of the woman at the well. And this was, if you read this, I'm not going to break it all down, but this was because of the gifts of the Spirit operating here, a word of knowledge. But I'm just saying this is the impact of somebody's life being changed by the supernatural. Um, and it says, and she went back to the city, and many Samaritans of that city believed on him. Notice that, because of this woman. Many believed on him. And then there was many more believed when they came and they heard um, with, their, with their own ears. They came to Jesus. But you know what, what I'm saying is a changed life drew people to Jesus. It drew crowds to Jesus. His fame went out. Jesus couldn't walk openly anymore. He, had to, he was pushed back into the, the desert, it said, because people were coming to him from everywhere. Amen. Now that's foreign sometimes to our thinking because that's not the way we hear the how you do church. But you know what, even here, like, you know, in the Northern Ireland revival, you know what, there was people falling on their knees in the middle of the street and crying out and making Jesus the Lord and Saviour of their life. Amen. The Welsh revival, the same. The Hebrides revival, the same. And you can go through all of them. And I'm not saying so we don't live. We live by faith. Okay, for us as believers, we live by faith. Amen. We believe for these things. We believe to say, well, I'm going to follow God while I see a sign to wonder or not, because I believe. I don't need to see a sign to believe. I believe. But you know what? God loves people. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for people that he can show himself strong on their behalf. God is using people. And what God needs is people who will say, God, use me to minister to people. Use me as a vessel of your love to people. To see people's lives change for Jesus. Amen. And you could go on through these here on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, let, me, let me just um, say as well, in the book of Acts, this is how the apostles did it. And you can look through every single one of these and you'll see the same pattern. The, the, the apostles turned their word right side up in a very short space of time. 
without TV, without a printed press, amen, without mobile phones to send messages, without, you know, um, Wi-Fi, without all of these things, what did they use? Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power from on high. And then when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, then they went and ministered to people and people's lives were changed. You know, I could, I could spend a lot of time going through these here, but I'm not going to do that. But, but you know what, you, you can just look, you look through the book of Acts. Look at, look at how people's lives were changed. How did they evangelize? Many times we, we talk about evangelism, but part of evangelism is ministering to people through the gifts of the Spirit. That's part of it. There are some people on a one-on-one -on -one situation. That's why we need the Holy Ghost when we go ministering, because the Holy Ghost is going to show people that Jesus is real, so that people will come to Jesus. Amen? That's how it works. Praise God. Amen? Like I, I, you know, I could go through it all, but in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was a supernatural event. People heard. People seen. And you know what? They came to hear. Peter stood up and preached the gospel. You see, the gospel still has to be preached. And the Bible says 3,000 people got saved. Give their lives to Jesus. How did, that, was a, that was one of those supernatural nets being dropped down. And what happened? It wasn't, Peter wasn't fishing with a hook. He was fishing with a net. And they trawled in 3,000 people for Jesus. That's how the church age started. With signs and wonders. Amen. And now in our generation, and I'm not criticizing, and I'm not saying that you can't win people this way, but now in our generation, we're trying to win people with a coffee. There's a place for all of that. But there's also a place for belief in God for the supernatural. Amen. The man at the gate, beautiful, gets healed. 5,000 people give their lives to Jesus. <laughs> Do you see, that's so foreign to our thinking. But we'll never see that if we don't believe. Amen? We'll never see it if we don't believe it. And then as you go on, it just goes on and on through the book of Acts. I, I, I encourage you to read through and see how, you, how they evangelized in the book of Acts. It goes on after Ananias and Sapphira's situation. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that, but I'm just saying after that, the Bible talks about multitudes were added to the church. Okay? So it goes from 3,000, 5,000, and now we don't even put a number on it because there's that many have got saved. Now we go to multitudes. Things can change quick. Amen? And then Philip goes down to Samaria. He preaches... He preached Christ, but he preached Christ demonstrated with signs and wonders. And as a result, the whole city was affected and even the villages were affected. Um, the Bible says in Acts 9 that a man called Annas was healed and all that dwelt in Lydia and Sharon turned to Jesus. These are locations that turned to Jesus because a man was healed. And then people say things like, oh, but not everybody gets healed. I'm not responsible for that. I don't know why everybody doesn't get healed. Amen? I don't know why. There's, even, there's times in my life where I face things and it didn't work out exactly as planned. But I know this, God's still a miracle working God and I'm going to preach Him as a miracle working God and I'm going to see signs and wonders. Amen. Amen. 
We can't go by this happened or that happened and try and figure everything out. We, we, there's a lot of things we will not know until we get face to face with Jesus. But up until that, we have what his word says, and I'm going to believe it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to believe it. Praise God. In Acts chapter 9, Dorcas was raised from the dead, and it was known throughout Joppa, and many believed. These are signs and wonders that happened that impacted locations because people believed. Amen. And I'll tell you, not everybody believes because of signs and wonders. There's a lot of people who will harden their heart more and more. The Bible teaches that as well. But what I am saying, this is God's dinner bell. This is one of God's ways of sounding out. And really what it's doing, I tell you, when you see a supernatural sign and a wonder, and really what it's God screaming out, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. How do you, how do you uh, undo someone getting out of a wheelchair? Do you see that messed up my head? As a young teenager. But you know what? I thank God I'm serving Jesus today and there's nobody could talk me out of that God is a, a miraculous God that changes people's lives. There's not a person and there's many have tried to talk me out of it. I've faced situations that could have talked me out of it. But I cannot be talked out of how good my God is. He's a good God and he's changed my life and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to love him and you know what, I'm going to believe God and you know what, if I see one saved, or if I see one healed in a thousand, well thank God for that one that got healed in a thousand, I'm still going to talk about my God as a healer. Amen? Because that one's worth it. Amen. Amen. That one's worth it. We've had people in our life that should be dead. We've had friends in our life that should be dead. Apart from they got a word from God. And they're alive today. People got a death sentence. I remember Donna going and, and telling um, a friend of hers. And in the middle of the service. She'd got a death sentence. And Donna went and told her you will live and not die. You will live and not die. And I tell you she did live and not die. And she's still alive. God. Amen. See, there's some people, oh, I don't believe in the supernatural. Or what about this and what about that? I don't have all the answers. But you know what? I know that girl is still living today. Because we kept believing. It's worth believing. Amen. It's worth believing. There's nobody has 100% results. Because none of us are perfect. And I'll tell you, I'm going to talk about my God and who he is. And I'm going to see results and see people's lives changed. Amen. And see many people come to Jesus.